Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario. We're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. Hey, this week we're in the fourth and final week of a message series called Chasing Carrots. We've been talking about these things that we pursue endlessly that either we'll never obtain or even if we do, uh, they will not satisfy. And today we're going to be tackling the, some, the subject of comfort. Uh, this is one I believe is going to touch every single person. Enjoy. If you haven't been with us over the last uh, four weeks, we are actually uh, finishing up a series called Chasing Carrots. How many of you have been here for some of those messages? Okay, a few hands going up. That's great. I hope these messages have been helpful for you. Uh, for those who haven't been here over the past four weeks, you can go to our website, pathwaylife.com, and just click on Messages. And there you can uh, there you can catch up on everything. And we also have a YouTube channel where we repost all the sermons. And so uh, that's awesome. Um, Four weeks ago, I introduced this uh, series called Chasing Carrots, and as we did so, I I wanted to explain a little bit about what this whole idea of chasing carrots is all about. And so I explained how, like, you know, farmers would use donkeys or mules to get work done to pull carts to do work. And and as they were doing so, you, you know, again, mules are really hard to motivate. They're known for being stubborn. They're like, "I'm, I'm good right here. It's like, no, I want you to pull this load. And they say, no way. So you got two options. One of them is pain and punishment. So you use a stick and you poke, prod, hit, whip. So the, so the mule becomes uncomfortable and moves. That's one way to motivate a mule. The other way is with a reward. And so you'd use a carrot. Here, little mule, and you kind of hold that carrot in front of its nose and it starts to move towards. And I guess somewhere along the line, someone came up with this idea of just hanging the carrot off a stick. So we got a little picture here. Just keep this one up until I tell you, Henry. So we got the little stick and the carrot. And, uh, and I mean, does this even work? I have no idea whether a mule would like take a few steps and be like, nah, it's not working. That's what I would do. And it seems ridiculous that a mule would like walk a mile chasing a carrot that never gets closer. But it seems silly to us. However, we do the same thing. And that's what's so interesting. We pursue things. And this is what chasing carrots with this phrase really means. We pursue things that will either never acquire or obtain, or even if we do acquire and obtain them, uh, they, they just don't satisfy. So that's the idea of, of chasing carrots. And um, after the first week when I introduced this whole idea, I walked off the stage and a friend of mine said, you know, Nathan, I get the whole chasing carrots idea. You know, yeah, it's pretty clever. I like that. It's pretty cool. But he said, honestly, carrots are not a great motivator for me. And he suggested changing uh, the series title to chasing bacon, to chasing bacon. So with the help of Photoshop, because I know most people listening to me today would get off the couch for a piece of bacon, but maybe not for a carrot. So we could do that if we want. You get the idea. And through this series, we talked about chasing approval of others, like really caring what other people think. Week two, we talked about chasing money. We talked about chasing Benjamins, as people say. In Canada, we should say Bordens, because that's Robert Borden on our $100 bill. But we're chasing money and stuff, thinking that if we can just get enough, if we can have more, if we could just have you know, a bigger RSP, if we could have a bigger house, a better this, a better that. Uh, but ultimately, these things are not the things that satisfy in the end. And so we're chasing carrots. The last one, uh, last week, uh, Jessica talked about chasing perfection and how when we put on these, uh, when we present ourselves to others as perfect, we're actually hiding ourselves and we're actually hiding our weaknesses and struggles. And, and this is, this is not something that's helpful. We're chasing carrots. So today, as we sort of wrap up the series, I want to talk about one last carrot that we pursue. And th- there's more, but this is one that I think we all pursue rightfully so and uh, and often we don't even recognize it and that's the carrot of the carrot of comfort 
the carrot of comfort. Let me, let me share with you a definition and then we'll circle around to, to what we're talking about here. So this is an Oxford definition for comfort. The state, so this is a state you can be in of being physically relaxed, free from pain, and the state of having a pleasant life with everything that you need. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Isn't that what we pursue? I mean, isn't that what, isn't that like the American and Canadian dream? The dream to like, to just be comfortable, to not be sick, to have all your options in front of you and just to be carefree. This is, this is the definition of comfort. Now, uh, there's two ways we use comfort. This way, talking about the state that we're in, but also we comfort others, right? That's a verb. We, it's an action that we do. And when we comfort others, we're trying to help them move towards this state. And that's a beautiful thing. You may say, you know, Nathan, that doesn't sound so bad. And the truth is, it isn't. There's absolutely nothing wrong with comfort. Having comfort and giving comfort, there's nothing wrong with it. Just like there's nothing wrong with money and stuff. Just like there's nothing wrong with perfection. Just like there's nothing wrong with approval of others. What we're really talking about in this series is a priority conversation. Because when these things that we're talking about, which are all gifts from God, the money, the approval, the, the comfort, it's all gifts from God. But when we put those gifts from God in the place where only God belongs everything begins to fall apart. We take good things that God has given us and we put them in the place of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is when we begin to chase carrots because we're chasing something that ultimately won't satisfy. So just to uh, just have a little fun with the crowd, um, I'm going to ask a question that I think is really going to cause problems for some people. So let's just get right into it. Here's the question. Does God want you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy? Okay, let's get a show of hands. How many of you think that God wants you to be healthy? Let's see a show of hands. Okay, I'm seeing about, I'm going to say 60% of the room. For those online, you want to know that? Okay. How many of you think that God wants you to be wealthy? People, like, less people put up their hands. Maybe 30 or 40%. They're like, I don't know. I think this is a trick. Um, third, how many of you think that God wants you to be happy? Okay, more hands. So that's like 50. So we have like 60, 40, 50%. Okay. So now... Um, with that in mind, okay, we've gotten the sort of audience sort of a response to that. I want to ask the question a little different way. I want you to imagine some of you have children, and so this will be easier for you, but if you don't have children of your own, I want you to imagine having a little person or a number of little people that look like you, and they eat all your food, and they terrorize your house. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you love these little, they're just like these little blessings from God, and you love them. And I want you to ask the question this way. Do you want your children, let's get a show of hands. How many of you want your children, if you have a child or had a child, want them to be healthy? Let's see a show of hands. That's like 90%. The other 10 are like, I want them sick so they can learn a lesson. <laughs> Nervous chuckle from a few. Um, how, <laughs> how many of you want your children to be wealthy as opposed to impoverished? Okay, it's like 70, 75%. Pretty good. And how many of you would want your child or your children to be happy? That's like 80%. So I don't know about the other 20. It's like, I don't know who those people are, but no judgment. Something really sad just happened. We just took a census of what we believe God wants for us. And we were kind of like, ah, not so sure. And then when we talked about ourselves, we actually as a group, and I know, let's just talk generally, we as a group literally just stated that we think we love our children better and more than God loves us. Do you guys see a problem with that? I do. Jesus once was speaking to the crowds and he said to the crowds, he says, which of you, if your son or daughter came and asked for a loaf of bread, would give them a stone or a serpent? And the crowd's like, whoa, no, like we're good moms. We're good dads. We love these kids. We would never do something like that to our kid. 
And Jesus says, and you being evil, and you still, you evil, evil motive, selfish, all those things that we all have these struggles. And even in that state, you love your kids. He says, how much more would your heavenly father give his Holy Spirit to those who ask? And we're like, oh, Holy Spirit, what does that mean? It means his, his essence, his presence, his person, his everything, the spirit of God. He says, if you, so what Jesus is saying is you think you love your kids well, God loves you more. We've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. Now, there's an issue because some of you are listening and you're like, okay, if God wants me healthy, wealthy, and God wants me happy, why am I not, right? Why am I experiencing sickness? Why am I experiencing pain? Why have I been through the things? And that's because God truly wants you to be, I believe, healthy, wealthy, and happy. And let me explain why I know this. Because if you read the end of the book where all this is moving towards is heaven, and in heaven, guess what? You're going to be healthy. You're going to have a new body. You're not going to be sick. You're going to be, you're going to be healthy and, 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 and vibrant and full of life. And not only that, but you're also, I don't know, wealthy. You're going to have everything you need in heaven. You may not have a roof over your head right now. Maybe you're living in a trailer or on the street. But here's the thing. In heaven, Jesus promises you're going to have a room in his house. Yeah. And, and furthermore, um, he, he is, he's, he's taking us towards this place where we are, are wealthy, healthy, and happy, where he promises that every tear we've suffered, we've gone through loss and hardship in this life, that every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. That's good news. So God's trying to get us there. That's clearly his desire. But we don't always experience this in this life. You with me? And that's because I believe God wants us wealthy, healthy, happy. But I got a big butt on the screen. One day I'm going to do a message series called The Big Butts of the Bible. Because there's so many. You know, the word butt has the power to change everything, right? If my wife says, how do I look? Say, oh, honey, your outfit looks wonderful. But. And everything I just said disappears. And the meaning of everything I'm about to say changes because of the word but. And there are a lot of buts in the Bible, right? Yes, in this life we experience hardship, pain, suffering, loss, death, war, famine. But God loves us. And there's a lot of reasons why. And I don't have time. This would be a huge theological exercise to talk about why we don't always experience what god wants for us in this life one of them would be the fact that we live in a fallen sinful world right one of them would be god gives us free choice and we choose to hurt one another we choose to do things we shouldn't do and we choose to fail and he allows us to do that and we hurt each other so those are reasons but i want to talk about one more reason and we're going to focus in on it today because it's going to tie together with our subject of comfort okay this is is the but and here it is right here throw it up for me some things matter more than Fill in the blank. Do you agree? Some things matter more than money. True? Some things matter more than happiness. Is that true? Some things matter more than comfort. That's our, our theme for today is comfort. So some things matter more than comfort. You go, ah, I don't know. Let me give you a few examples of how this might be true. Um, let's go back to children. So uh, if you have a little child, my wife and I have four kids. And there was always that phase when they were young, we were trying to get them to eat food they should. So you put in front of them a plate with some, some lean chicken and some broccoli and some rice, and it's, it's a healthy meal. And, you know, every kid at some point goes, nah. And you go, no, you need to eat that. And they go, I want I-I. That's ice cream for those who don't have little kids. I want I, I want chocolate. I want cake. And you go, no, you need to eat this. And, you know, those little, the quiver lip. <sighs> Even I, and I'm mean, I have a hard time. Resisting the quiver lip. The lip starts to quiver. The crocodile tears start. And there's your child that you love so much and they're miserable. They're like, oh, and they're like, you, you are making me sad. And then they throw the plate off and the temper tantrum starts. Am I the only one who's experienced this? 
And as a parent, a good parent's going to stand their ground and be like, actually, no, I want you to be happy more than anything in the world, but I value your health over your happiness. True? And that's why you're going to eat this first, and then you're going to have a treat. And so good parents know that while happiness is really important, it is not even close to the most important thing. This is also true when our kids Uh, When our kids do the wrong thing, when they steal, when they lie, when they hurt their siblings, when they damage someone's property, you punish them, right? You take away their privileges. You Maybe they have to go to their room or something happens. They they lose something they want and they're miserable. Oh, I thought you loved me, mom. I thought you loved me, dad. And you're like, I do. I do. But your character is way more important than your comfort, right? That That's the idea. So So while comfort is really important, And I believe that, you know, it's not like we should be like running away from it, okay? I hope you have a nice comfortable chair at home. I hope you have air conditioning. That's all great, right? But but to pursue that at all costs is really, really, really silly. Some things matter more than comfort. I had a picture here of Jesus on the cross. This is a perfect example of this truth. Jesus was in heaven. Jesus was with the Father. Jesus had all authority, all power, the angels subject to him. He didn't have a want for anything. And what did he do? He chose to leave comfort of heaven and to enter into the fallen, broken world, to experience the life that we live with all of its joys and pains. And he enters into human history. And, and not only does he give up his wealth, it says that he had, he had no roof over his head. He, he had a rock for a pillow. Any money that came into his ministry, he used it to feed people, care for his disciples. Like Jesus was not wealthy. So he comes into the earth and he gives up his wealth and he gives up his comfort and he even gives up his health. He would sacrifice his body as he's whipped and beaten and nailed to the cross. You know the story. But Philippians 2 says that he who was in the form of God did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was humble. And so he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, and he became a servant, and he came to die for us. Some things matter more than comfort, and Jesus was like, you matter more than my comfort. You matter more. That's powerful. He chose that. So comfort is good, but when comfort becomes the be-all and end-all of our lives, it becomes a carrot that we we chase. So in just a moment, we're going to turn to Matthew 16. In this particular case, Jesus is, um, is doing ministry and he's got all his disciples around him and everything is going great. The crowds are bigger than they've ever been. Everyone's turning up. Jesus is doing miracles. The, like momentum is building. It's onward and upward for Jesus in his ministry. And in this time and place, Jesus decides in Matthew 16 to tell his disciples that he's about to suffer and die. And Peter, who's, I love Peter, he's always got something to say. Peter takes Jesus and pulls him aside. He's like, Jesus. Not so. This can't happen to you. You're too important. Things are going well. Like he's like, man, we're about to take over Jerusalem. You could rally the people and we could run Rome out of town. You could bring the peace and the happiness and the health that God promised his people. You could actually make it a reality. And Jesus says to him, here's what he says. Let's let's look at it. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) I love that. You're a hindrance to me. Now, Jesus is not saying that Peter is Satan. Let me just be clear. Okay? He's not saying that. Uh, Peter was Jesus' friend. Peter's also not, or Jesus is also not saying that, that Satan had somehow grabbed control of Peter's lips, you know, rah, 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 and was speaking through him. What he's, he's actually going to clarify in the next part of the passage exactly what he means. Here's what he says. He says, for you are not setting your mind. Your thinking is wrong. Your priorities are off. Your focus is in the wrong place. 
You're not putting your focus on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Jesus is going to give us two categories of things, and this is going to be helpful for us. As we think about comfort, he says there are the things of God and there are things of man. There is the way that man does things, and there's the way that God does things. For example, Jesus says to his disciples um, that the Gentiles, those who didn't know God, that they use their power to lord over others. So they use their power to push others down and put themselves up. And you're like, sounds like climbing the ladder. That's how it works. Jesus says it will not be so among you. For here's what's going to happen for you. The least of you will become the greatest. You become a servant of all. You go down... And push other people up. So you have the world's way, up, push people down. And Jesus' way, go down, push people up. Opposite. God's way, our way. And so here's the problem. When we begin to think about comfort, you have to understand that there, there are two different types of comfort that we're going to talk about. And, and the world, the world offers us, this is cool, a counterfeit comfort. You guys know what a counterfeit is, right? It's a fake. I got, I got some money in my pocket here all crumpled up from my guitar i've got a hundred dollar bill pretty nice it has value hundred dollars of value you could buy like a half a tank of gas with this <laughs> all right relax <clears throat> i got another hundred dollar bill this is a counterfeit you can tell because there's nothing printed on the back and because i printed it on my inkjet printer which is really interesting. I tried to photocopy the $100 bill and my printer wouldn't let me. And I'm like, that's weird. So I downloaded an image of a $100 bill and my printer still wouldn't let me. I thought, that's creepy. Anyways, <laughs> they're watching us. <laughs> uh, but there's an authentic $100 bill and there is a counterfeit. Now, there's lots of ways you can go online and read all the ways. Like you can feel, if you feel the $100 bill, some of the letters are embossed. Right? The ink is embossed. You can feel that. And there's little dots. And then there's, there's holograms. You can see Robert Borden's face in the right light. No hologram on this one. Right? So there's ways that you can identify the real thing from a counterfeit. And today I want to I talk a little bit as we get on. Um, I want to talk about how we can identify, how we can identify the, uh, the counterfeit comfort that the world offers us. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 2. One of Jesus' disciples... Uh, would write this later in his life to the early church. And he says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, Christians for 2,000 years have been trying to figure out what this means. And I've been reading this huge book on church history, which is fascinating, by the way, like all the way through the last 2,000 years. And what's really interesting is that throughout the last 2,000 years, different church leaders of various stripes have really tried to interpret this and often got it wrong. So they interpreted the world as being those outside the church. They interpreted the world that they're not supposed to love as being Muslims and Hindus and Gentiles and non-Christians, non-baptized people into the church, which, which creates a really interesting dynamic because now you hate people that God says you're supposed to love. But anyways, that's another story. So loving the world or the things in the world. Throughout history, there have been different groups and sects of Christianity that like they build a monastery and they hide behind its walls and they put on the most prickly wool clothes that really scratchy and itchy. And then they beat themselves and they eat bland food. Why? Because they don't want to love the things of the world. And so they're trying to like figure out how to do this in practical ways, but often missing the boat. Here's, here's what he goes on to say. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So what John is saying is that we can, we're going to choose between God, the creator, or the things that he's created. That's essentially what he's talking about. 
and it's a choice that we, that we come into. Here's, here's how he continues. Let's take a look. He says, for all that is in the world, all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever hear of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life? These three temptations. Guys, show of hands. You heard that before? Okay. If you've been around, even people who haven't been to church, they've heard of those. Like those three buckets of sin. Anybody know where that comes from? It comes from Genesis chapter 3. It's amazing how many stories end up back at the creation account. Satan shows up and he's tempting Eve to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil that they were told not to eat of. And, and what's interesting is this is what the Genesis account says. It says that Eve looked at the tree and said, it looks good for food. Right? That's the lust of the flesh. I want it. That, that, my, my, my mouth is salivating. I want that. I desire it. So it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. So we get lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And it's pleasing or able to make one wise. So it's like, oh, if I eat that, then I'll be like God and I'll know good and evil. And I won't have to let him tell me what's right or wrong because I'll know myself. And so it's pride, right? So you've got the same three buckets of sin that Satan is using, the same counterfeit that he's trying to get us to fall into, he's been using for this entire course of human history. Like, if you played football and you knew the other team had three plays and you knew exactly what they were, it would be a pretty good advantage, right? Nothing's changed. The same three uh, temptations he uses over and over again. The lust of the flesh, right? So it's like, oh, if I have that, I'll be satisfied. If I have that, I'll be comfortable. If I just have that, the food, if I just have... The, the, the chair, the car, the house, the sex, the pleasure, the ease. If I could just put up my feet, if I could just not have to work anymore, retire early. Like if, if I could have that, I would be comfortable. But the problem with it is that these things that the earth, that the world offers us, these are they're temporary things. They, they don't actually satisfy. Jesus, in John 4, um, is having a conversation with a woman at the well. Some of you will know that story. And he comes up to her and they're talking about the water in the well. And Jesus says to the woman, he says... That water, you'll, you'll drink it, and it'll satisfy your thirst, but only for a while. You'll become thirsty again. But he says, the water that I give will become in you a spring, and you will never thirst again. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't fall for the counterfeit, because there's something real. And I offer something real. So you're looking around, you're like, oh, if I just had that, if I just felt that good, if I just, he's like, it doesn't, it doesn't last then you have the lust of the eyes. If I just had more stuff, bigger, better, newer, perfection, all those things we've been talking about, right? And Jesus says, what will it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? He's like, that, that's not it either. That's a carrot. And lastly is the pride of life. And the pride of life is I don't need God. And here's, this should be a huge warning for all of us. If we can actually live our life, if the next month you don't need God at all, that should be a real warning to you. So like, I don't need God. I have everything in order. I have my health. I have a home. I have a job. Everything's going great. I don't, I don't need him. We have science. We have investments. We have knowledge. We have, it's like, that's all wonderful. Those are gifts from God. But they should never replace him. Because when they do, everything begins, um, everything begins to, to fall apart. Here, here's the problem with all of this. Uh, he says, and this is how he concludes, talking about the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He says, and the world is what? Passing away. Along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God 
abides forever. This is true. You can have the best meal you could ever desire, and the next day you're like hungry again. You get the nicest car, and a few months later there's a stone chip in it, and you're angry. Like, it's just, it's, it's temporary, and it's all fine, but, but what happens is it, it rusts, it disappears, the cravings return, but he says, whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the world is going to offer us counterfeit comfort, counterfeit satisfaction, but, but God, as we're going to see, will offer us something that is eternal, something that, something that lasts. And so here's what I want to do. I, with a little bit of time we have left, let me just see how we're doing for time. Yeah, we're doing good. I'll keep going. You guys are comfortable? I don't really care. <laughs> I'm kidding. I do. I do. I care. I, I like approval. I want to share with you with a bit of time. We have three questions. Um, and, and this is sort of a, an exercise for us to sort of examine our own hearts. And these are three questions that will help to reveal whether we're trusting in a counterfeit comfort. Okay. And I want you to think about these uh, through your lens, your situation, and to really consider whether it's the real authentic thing or not. And um, I just see the first one is this. What is the source of my comfort? God wants you to have comfort in your life, but the question is, what is the source? What are you actually trusting in for your comfort? You know, the source of these bills actually determines its worth, doesn't it? This one, I don't know if you can see that. This is printed by the Bank of Canada, by the Canadian Mint, and it has a particular value. This one came out of my printer. And, you know, if it gets wet, it'll curl up and crumple up. This one can go through the washing machine. It's, they're different, okay, because of the source. And the source matters. So it's good that you have comfort and confidence in your life and you feel safe and secure and peace. But what is the source of your comfort? Now, we're going to turn to Second Corinthians where Paul uh, talks about comfort. And here's what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of what? All comfort. He says the, the kind of comfort we need... And the kind of comfort that lasts, the kind of comfort that can't be taken away with sickness, can't be taken away with bankruptcy, it all comes from God, and it's eternal, and it lasts forever. Right? It's like that water that Jesus offered. It, it, you'll never thirst again because you have comfort from him who comforts us in all our affliction. We live in a world where things are going to go bad. We're going to have to go through things, and God promises to comfort us, promises to be with us through it, to carry us. Okay, and so here's a couple, a couple quick points we'll hit. Um, next slide. We drift from creator to creation. Did you know this? We actually, we drift towards the wrong kind of comfort. Like when, when, um, when, my, when my wife and I were dating, and I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I will. When we were dating, I did a lot of things that really put me out of my comfort zone. Like I wrote her a song. She didn't like it. Um, I... I wanted to let her know that I loved her. So I was working really hard. So I bought like, I didn't, I was a poor student. So I bought like $10 bouquet of flowers, but I'm like, how can I make it special? I just want to make it special. So I called her roommate and I'm like, can you help me? And so I went in and like hid them in her apartment and I left clues, you know, and so she had to like follow all the clues to find the cheap flowers. And she loved it because it meant so much. And I put so much thought into it. And then now after 23 years of marriage, it's so easy. And I hate to say that I do this it's like, hey, honey, let's grab some flowers on the checkout at Costco because, you know, you deserve it, honey. It's just so easy to drift. It's, you know, it's so easy to drift. Like when we're young, we're like exercising every day and trying to get the abs, you know. And then as you get older, it's like, yeah, you know, 
This couch is pretty cozy. Like we drift towards comfort. And not only that, but we drift from creator to creation. So for example, in the Old Testament, over and over you get this story. It's a broken record. And for those under the age of 40, that, what that means is when a record has a scratch on it, it keeps playing the same part of the song over and over and over again. Right? Um, I always forget. Some people are like, what does that mean? Okay? So the same story plays out over and over and over again. Here's what happens. God brings his people out of slavery through the wilderness and into the promised land. And he blesses them and he blesses them with health and he blesses them with wealth and he blesses them with, with peace and, and there and comfort and all that stuff. And so there they build walled cities, they plant vineyards, they build houses, their children play in the fields with safety and everything is great. And you know what? God gives them all of that because that's what God wants for his children. But guess what they do? They stop trusting in the one who gave it to them and they start trusting in all of the comforts that God has given them and all the wealth and blessings. They start going, hey, our walls are pretty high. I think we're safe. Hey, look at all the chariots and all the the horsemen. Look at all the archers we have. We're, We're good. And so they start to trust in what God has given them instead of God. And God's like, okay, you want to trust in that? Let's see how it holds up. And he just steps back. Some neighboring army comes in, destroys and plunders everything. And they cry out to God. They're like, where have you been? The God is waiting for you to trust me. <laughs> and they turn back to him and they repent. And guess what God does? He brings them health and he brings them wealth and he brings them blessing and they build their walled cities and they build their vineyards and then they start trusting in the stuff God gives them instead of the God who gave it. And then someone else comes in, different army this time, different, different group, right? This is what we do. We drift from creator to creation. It'll, it'll come back up here. Drift from creator to creation. The second thing is uh, we build a comfortable life that doesn't need God. So you guys with me? So what is the source? What's your confidence in? A really good way to ask the question is this, like, what do I feel most secure in this life about? And if it was taken away from me, what would happen? I've had to ask myself that question many times about my wife, about my kids, about our house and stuff and the things that it's just, it's like, what if all this was gone tomorrow? Where would my trust be? Is my comfort coming from this stuff or is it, is it coming from him? That's, that's the question. So uh, here's the, I think the second question. Uh, we'll throw it up here. We'll, we'll move on along a little quicker. What is the purpose of my comfort? Like God doesn't comfort us. He doesn't give us blessings so that we can put up our feet and go, oh, this is great. I don't have to do anything. Here's what Paul says as he continues. He says it all comes from God. And he says, so that we may be able to comfort. So God comforts us so that we can comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we have ourselves are comforted by God. So he says, hey, if God has given you comfort, it's, it's for a purpose so that you can share and comfort others. Well, that's pretty cool because it's not me focused anymore. It's now about other people. Here's the, here's the third one. Let's, let's move on to the third one. Um, this, is, this is where I want to end. Uh, this is a challenge. Am I willing to embrace discomfort for something that matters more? See, there's the question. We'll be put in uncomfortable situations, bad things will happen to us, but are we willing to embrace discomfort for something that matters more? Case in point, Jesus leaving heaven to come, leaving comfort behind to live and to die for you and for me. Are we willing to do that for him? Are we willing to do that for others? Are you willing to embrace discomfort? You know, um... There are things in this life, like I know if I were to talk to all of you after service, you guys are willing to embrace some discomfort if, it, if there's something that matters enough, right? 
Like some of you go to the gym, not because it's comfortable, but you go because you want to, you want to be in shape, right? And hopefully you're not like me. You go and you do like huge leg squat day after not doing it for a long time. And then you can't walk for a few days and you're late to work because you can't push the gas pedal. You know, maybe I'm the only one, maybe I'm the only one, but, but we're willing, right? We're willing to set aside part of our income that we would love to spend on ourselves and buy stuff we want. And we set it aside and we give it away and we save some. And we do that. Why? Because we actually believe that there's something more valuable than our comfort today. So we do this all the time. We do it with our kids. We sacrifice for our children. We sacrifice for our friends. We give our time and our money, all of those things, right? Are we willing to embrace discomfort for something that, that matters more? Here, here's where I want to end. Romans 8, verse 18, Paul says this. I think that's the... Uh, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Now, Paul specifically is talking here about the sufferings that he's experiencing, not just the sufferings of life, but the sufferings he's experiencing because of his love for Christ and his work for Christ. That's what he's talking about, right? Like Paul could have lived a comfortable life if he just stopped talking about Jesus and converting everyone. He could just go find an island and sip mojitos. That would be great. But, but Paul was on a mission and he was trying to reach people and he was preaching the gospel and so he was experiencing sufferings. But you know what Paul had to say about it? He's like, I recognize that this is not my best life. There's another life coming and that's the one I care about. So I'm willing to sacrifice my comfort now for something in eternity that really matters. The question is, are we willing to embrace discomfort for something that, that matters more? Because some things, some things, it'll come up here in just a second. Some things matter more than comfort. True? Some things matter more than comfort. And here's the thing. While we pursue a life of comfort, this is why chasing comfort is so silly. It's like chase, it's like that donkey chasing the carrot endlessly around, never satisfied. Because when we pursue a life of comfort, we will miss what matters most. Because there are so many things that matter more than comfort. And if until you get uncomfortable, until you step out of your comfort zone, you'll never reach them. When you read the Bible and you read about the great people of faith, every one of them had to take a step out of their comfort zone, right? And it was scary and they had to trust God. And because of it, they, they become these names that we revere. In fact, let me say it this way. If I were to ask you about your three greatest accomplishments, the things that you're most proud about in your own life that you've been able to do, I'm pretty sure that all of them required you getting uncomfortable, right? You went to school and you worked your way through, you started a business, you, you gave birth to a child. You're like, that was, that was not easy, but there was a joy that came on the other side of the discomfort that made it worth it. If you can throw that back up, when we pursue a life of comfort, we miss what matters most. And by the way, when, when we avoid discomfort, man, we avoid life. We just do. When I was, uh, when I was um, in grade seven and eight, I was away with my family. We were at Darien Lake theme park, pretty cool spot. And my appendix ruptured. I was standing in line for a wooden roller coaster. And I remember because I had a sharp pain in my side and then it blacked out, fell over. And my brother woke me up just in time to get on the ride because, you know, we've been waiting a while and we weren't going to miss that. So we, we went on the ride. We went on many rides. And I was in a lot of pain for a number of days. And finally, uh, that was like on a Saturday. On the Monday morning, I didn't want to go to school because my side hurt. My mom's like, we're taking you to the hospital. This is, this is enough. So she took me to the hospital. And the doctor like touched me. And I'm like, ah! And he's like right into surgery. 
you know, I was in the hospital for a week, they had tubes coming out of me, you know, trying to get all the infection out of my body. I was pretty, it was, they're like, you could have died. I'm like, well, it was worth the ride. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I wasn't very smart. Um, but after the surgery, you know, here's, here's what, after the surgery, about day two or three, the doctor came and he's like, okay, everything looks good. You're, you're healing up fine. Here's what I want you to do. He's like, you need to get up and walk around. And I'm like, okay, doc. And he left. And the nurses are like, come on, get up. Let's take a walk down the hall. And I went to get up and I was like, ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. And I said, I'm not going to walk. And she, no, you need to. And I'm like, no, no. Like, Give me morphine. That's easier. I want more comfort. And so they gave me some more morphine. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I just, I don't remember much. The next day, they're like, hey, get up and go for a walk. I'm like, nah, I'm not comfortable. A few days later, the gas pains and all the stuff that the doctor was trying to help me avoid, I've never felt pain like that. And of course, the nurses were like, you should have listened. You, your attempt to, to avoid discomfort is making things worse. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes how much in our lives our pursuit of comfort causes us to miss what God wants to do in our life, causes us to miss the best things in our life. Where it's like trying to heal a relationship or forgive someone, that's not comfortable, that's not easy, it hurts, it's painful, there's risk, but, but not doing it might poison your soul, right? Being generous and helping and giving things away, that's not easy, it hurts, it hurts for everybody, but, but in doing, in embracing that discomfort and moving forward in faith, it opens up the opportunity for all kinds of incredible things to happen. So, are you willing to embrace discomfort for something that matters more? And maybe today, God's putting something on your heart that you need to, that you need to move towards. And I would encourage you to take that step, even if it's uncomfortable. So, Man, it's, it's so easy in this life to pursue the things that we think will satisfy us, but in the end, they're temporary and they don't last. It's chasing carrots. And I think the, the antidote to all of it is putting God in his rightful place at the top, trusting in him, looking to him, looking to eternity. Would you pray with me as we close today? Father, thank you for every person in this room, everyone watching our stream online. And I pray, Father, today that we would recognize and be grateful for the sacrifice that you made in leaving the comfort of heaven to come and live and to die for us. I pray, Father, that we would have the wisdom to understand that sometimes we must embrace discomfort for things that matter more. Help us to see what matters more. Guide us by your Spirit so that we might take steps of faith in your direction, take steps of faith to love and serve and give and help others to take the comfort we receive from you, the peace we receive from you, even in this hard life, and to share it with those who may not have it. Thank you for every person listening today. Lord, help us as we go from this place to continue to chew on these words and this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.